Mitch Bisek is an award-winning executive coach, business consultant, leadership trainer, strategic planning facilitator, and professional speaker who has worked with hundreds of executives in dozens of companies and industries, from Fortune 100 global businesses to sole proprietors. He's been consulting for over 20 years, doing so in his full-time practice. PSIC Consulting Group since 2016. Here's Mitch. Hello, business people. Today we're going to be discussing a topic that's near and dear to me, leadership. We're going to cover much more than just theory. We're going to discuss how to get people to follow you, how to become a world-class leader, how to stay a world-class leader, and pragmatic, insightful, highly successful approaches to resolving issues. Throughout, I'll share real boots-on-the-ground success stories, examples, and insights. And for those of you who listen carefully, you walk away with an epiphany or two that will rock your world. Let's start with a leadership definition. There are thousands of books and tens of thousands of articles defining a leader. We're all busy people without time to waste, so I'll share with you real, the real, true, definitive definition of a leader. If people follow you, you are. If they don't, you're not. Now, why should people follow you? It's easier to manage paperwork than people, but business is not about paperwork. It's about people. Those who flourish in business are leaders, leaders who can influence clients, inspire employees, invoke community respect, and impede the competition. Nobody is a world-class leader at first, immediately making all the right moves and decisions, and that's okay. If at first you don't succeed, you're running about average. So we're going to discuss how you and your business can flourish by being an inspirational leader. Great and passionate leadership has the potential to excite and to inspire people to achieve the extraordinary, which makes great leadership among the highest of callings. When it comes to leadership, nothing beats authenticity. You have to be yourself, but this is a key. Be your best self. How, do you, how can you be a genuine and confident, genuinely confident leader? There are five qualities all leaders have in common. All leaders are dedicated to being themselves rather than just fitting the mold of what they or others believe a leader should look like. Hey, time was when most leaders were male, pale, and stale. That's not how it is anymore. Today, today leadership is less about fitting the mold and more about being dynamic, relatable, and someone other people can genuinely connect with. The more you put that energy out in the world, the more people you can and will attract. The second thing, all leaders say what they mean and mean what they say. People have to know that what you say holds weight, that if you make a promise, you will follow through on that promise. People have to know they can rely on you, that you have their back. Because always remember, they don't care what you know until they know that you care. Now, your people, which are your internal customers and your external customers, have to have complete trust that when someone says they're going to do something, they're going to do it, and they're going to do it well. Follow through on your promises to them. Trust isn't built simply because they or I say the words. It's built through experience after experience of a promise being made, and then that promise being delivered. Remember, if you lose people's trust, you lose. Third, all great leaders can consistently make the right decisions in a timely fashion. 
we don't have the luxury of thinking indefinitely about how to solve a problem. And most of the time, we don't have all the information we'd like to have, but we still have to move forward. In fact, if you can get 60 or 70% of the information that you really need to make a decision, it, uh, most of the time, make the decision. If you wait until you have ever, all the information at that point, the competition will already have run over you. Now, sometimes decisions have to be made quickly. One of the things that can frustrate teams and other leaders within an organization is when someone is holding things up out of fear of making the wrong decision. It becomes very hard for people to respect a leader who either can't make a dis definitive decision or ping-pongs back and forth between conflicting decisions. The fourth thing, all the fourth item is all great leaders take the lion's share of the responsibility. When a decision goes awry, great leaders never throw someone else under the bus. The worst type of potential leader is someone who blames other people for, his, for what is ultimately their responsibility. The buck stops with you, and you wouldn't have it any other way. If one of your people or co-leaders makes a mistake, that's not just a reflection on them, but also a reflection on all of us, on the whole team. It's our responsibility to ask ourselves and other leaders what else we could have done to prevent the mistake. And here's a key. What needs to be done to substantially reduce the chance that it happens again? And the fifth point I want to make is all great leaders inspire and truly empower the people around them. I don't mean empower. It's like cliche. They really need to be empowered. Being a leader is not a right. It's a privilege. Every single day, your job is to excite your team, have them buy into the collective mission, whether you're feeling it or not. Every day you need to do that and really understand what it is they're trying to accomplish and see how you can help. And the more your organization grows, it's not just about you, the founders, the other executives to be able to inspire excitement, but it's for even your junior employees to be able to do the same. Being able to communicate why you're going on the journey together is how you build a team. And the more effectively you can communicate your mission, the more effectively you'll be able to hire, scale, and all grow as one. And like I said, you have to do that every day. There's, an, there's a, a very common expression that they use at Disney where Cinderella can never have a bad day. If you ever go to Disney World, you don't see the woman dressed up as Cinderella smoking a cigarette and having a bottle of wine with her, complaining how tough life is. Nope, Cinderella can never have a bad day. You're the leader of the team, neither can you. Now, one of the things you want to do is help your team connect the dots. And here's what I mean by that. Think of two different lines. One of them is you need to understand what each individual that works for you, what do they aspire to? Where do they want to go in their career? And those dots move up. Then you have another line of where the company is going and what the company aspires to. And you want to show how those dots ultimately converge. In other words, showing someone that they're really important to the success of the company. So let's talk about respect versus like. Ideally, all your employees like and respect you. It's nice if they like you, but it's imperative that they respect you. If you ever have to choose, choose respect. People are inspired by leaders that they respect personally and especially professionally. People will follow a leader, a winner, someone they trust and trust that she has a great plan. 
before any of your people will work hard for you, be as creative as possible, put in the extra effort and hours, and have your back, your people first decide whether or not they respect and trust you. They need to believe that you believe that they are important to you. Do they believe you have their backs? Remember, your people don't care what you know until they know that you care. Let's talk about attitude and aptitude. We're going to look into we're going to look into that in far as how you hire people, and also this gives you an idea if you're ever looking for another job, the kind of thing great leaders are going to look for in you. <clears throat> Excuse me. There are two primary attributes that are considered when hiring for any position: their attitude and aptitude. Aptitude, aptitude is basically pertains to intelligence and experience. Attitude basically pertains to personality. Now, a potential employee, of course, has to possess possess a minimal threshold of experience and ability. As we say in basketball, you can't teach height. But beyond that, hire the one with the right attitude, the right personality. Hire the attitude and train the aptitude. There have been several, there have been many, many studies on what makes people successful, and it really boils down to three attributes. Knowledge, skills, which is the application of the knowledge, and attitude. And knowledge and skills together really only account for about 15% of people's level of success, what they ultimately attain. 85% of the likelihood of someone uh, being successful is all about their attitude, about their personality. Hold out for the employees with the right personality and maintain a very high threshold for the attitude. You can't win with an employee who has a non-compatible personality. If, for example, if you only, if you're looking to hire, let's say, an engineer and you need three years of experience, what a lot of people do is they'll place an ad asking for three to seven years. Don't do that. Okay, that although it's counterintuitive, if you only need three years, then ask for three years. You'll have a bigger pool of candidates to choose from with three years and seven and increase your chances of finding the people with the right attitude, the right personality. Thus, don't have such high requirements for aptitude and experience, especially for skills that you, your company, can readily train around, that you compromise or overlook people with an outstanding attitude and potential. All right, let's talk about the collaboration versus consensus discussion. Consensus is you wait until everyone agrees and, the, and you do that and then the competition is going to run right over you. Collaboration is when everyone has a say and believes that they are being heard, although they, although it is, although they don't always get their way. They may not agree or like the decision. Hey, we don't all get everything we want in life, but they should respect you enough to accept it and support it. So 98% of the time you look for collaboration. So everyone ultimately at least accepts the decision. You don't wait for consensus because the odds of getting consensus are very small. The time it takes is great. And like I said, the competition is going to roll over you. You know, like the expression, you get 12 people in a room, you're going to get 13, to, you know, 13 opinions. Go with collaboration. Also, you want to be both interested and interesting with your boss, with your peers, with your employees and your customers. 
Now, here's another key thing having to do with alignment and focus. You want to be internally aligned. You want to have the team and the vision all in alignment, but you want to be externally focused. And what I mean by that is that you don't, if you have meetings and all of your meetings, you talk about yourself, your division, your people, your problems. If that's all you talk about, you're really missing a great opportunity. Every chance you get, hopefully most of your meetings, you're externally focused. You're also talking about the competition. You're talking about customers. You're talking about your customers' customers. So you want to be aligned as a team, but externally focused. Okay, you want to be a winner out there, you need A players. A players hire A players. B players hire C players. And C players are going to put you out of business. Don't compromise. Hold the line. It's all about the A players. When you hire great employees and you inspire them, you're creating a, virtu a virtuous circle of force multiplication. When you hire A players... You also have an obligation to them to only have A players. Winners want to be with winners. B and C players rarely rise to an A level, but A players can drop their performance or just leave the company if they're not hanging around, they're not working with, they're not in meetings with other people they believe is of, of or greater than their caliber. Multiple studies have proven that you should spend most of your time with your best employees for multiple reasons, okay? There are, mul there are ample studies and tests that clearly prove that leaders and division heads are substantially more productive spending their time and working with their A- minus and A players, getting them up to be an A-plus performer than trying to get your B- minus and C players up to a B level. And here's something else. What most people do is they think about it. In your company, maybe yourself, you spend most of your time with your, with your B and C players and not as much with your A players. Think of the message that gives. It gives a wrong message to your people if we spend most of our time with our poor performance. Performers, we're, what are we doing? In essence, we're penalizing our best performers by depriving them of your time and your expertise. And it's the leader's responsibility to increase the average quality of your teams with every hire. In fact, according to a recent Harvard Business Review article on employee retention, a high performance can deliver as much as 400% more productivity than an average performer. Okay, so let's talk about the golden rule. What's the golden rule? Treat others as you want to be treated. I completely disagree with that. You want to treat others as they want to be treated. Treat your clients and employees fairly, but not necessarily the same. Let me give you an example. I'm working as a, as a, uh, as a manager, a vice president at Kraft, and my VP of operations had an employee of the quarter award that he gave to each of his people. Now, he told me he wanted to give it to one of his supervisors, and I knew the supervisor fairly well. He was a talented guy, um, and he deserved the award, but I also knew he was kind of an introverted person, and he didn't like to stand out. He believed in recognizing the team, so not so much him as an individual. I told the VP, I said, 
I agree that this supervisor does a great job. I agree deserves the award, but I don't think he's going to want you to make a big deal of it in front of his peers. Well, the VP did make a big deal about it in front of his peers. The supervisor was so upset about it, he actually submitted his resignation. Now, fortunately, like I said, I had a relationship with him. I, I knew who he was. I spoke to him, and he ultimately changed his mind and stayed. But the point is, is just because you might want to be to, to win an award in front of your peers, it doesn't mean everyone else does. You need to know as much as you can about what will motivate and inspire and irritate and anger your people. Which brings us to communication. When you communicate, you need to do it continually, consistently, and comprehensively. Effective communication is essential. Where there's a vacuum, it's human nature to assume the worst. Be as transparent as you can. Be as open as you can. Be as honest as you can. Ideally, you're always honest. And listen. You don't have to agree, but you need your people to believe that you're listening and you're hearing them. Be true and honest, and when you can, be positive, optimistic, and enthusiastically supportive. Show and exhibit in your communications persuasion, passion, and purpose. Words are cheap, but consequences are expensive. Remember, it's not our, let's talk about clients, it's not our client's job for them to listen to us. It's our job to give them a reason to hear us. Play to your audience. Move from insight to action. The client is not always right because that implies that we're always wrong, but the client is always relevant. Be consistent and repetitive. If your people hear your message as as much as seven times or more, they'll know you're serious and they better take it and you very seriously. And have consistency in your communication, verbal, emails, letters, telephone calls, posters on the wall. You want to be very consistent in the look and the feel of the topics and the points you're trying to make. Angel's advocate. Okay, so sometimes we're required to be the devil's advocate, identifying all the risks and reasons an idea might not work. It's an important part of a lot of jobs, but it sh- and it should not be taken lightly. However, Don't be that person who always sucks the oxygen out of the room, who kills the enthusiasm when others are discussing potential opportunities. At least periodically be the advocate of the angels. It's good and fun to occasionally be the angel's advocate. Be an angel's advocate every chance you get. In lieu of always identifying all the risks and reasons an idea might not work, being the the devil's advocate, but also by looking at what could go wrong, Also be optimistic, and when you can, try to look at how something could actually work well. Remember, we hang together or we will be hung separately. So besides this radio station, what's everyone else's favorite radio station? WIIFM. That's everyone's favorite radio station. What's in it for me? Help your employees connect the dots to where the company is going and where your employees want to go. She needs to understand and believe they have the same destination. What it takes to keep your employees happy and encouraged does not vary by generation as much as many people believe. New graduates are seeking much the same as those who have been in the workforce for over 30 years. It really centers on pride. 
Okay, I've got people listening to me that are teenagers. I have people listening to me that are well into their 80s and 90s. It all has a lot of overlap. And like I said, it centers on pride. What is everyone looking for? A sense of fulfillment, having an impact, being part of something that's bigger than themselves, and an opportunity to learn, grow, develop, increase skill sets, engage in a vast set of experiences, and expand their self-worth and their commercial worth. Remember I said before that, that your employees don't care what you know till they know that you care. Let me give you an example. I'm running a big company in New York, and I broke at least four different insurance regulations by renting a full ice cream truck and drive it to the middle of our 25,000 square foot plant in, New York, in Long Island, New York, in the middle of July where I gave all of my employees, all 500 plus employees, as many ice cream cones as they wanted and as many flavors as they wanted. And I was even the guy doing the scooping. Now, by the way, scooping's harder than it looks. There's a reason long-term ice cream scoopers in one forearm substantially bigger than the other. So the point is, is I knew that it was hot and I knew that, you know, if I just do something different, they would see that just one small indication I really did care about them. I recognized how hard they were working. So let's talk about inspirable employees. You only want employees who want to learn, grow, and contribute. No matter how great a leader you are, no matter how motivational, inspirational, and knowledgeable, and charismatic you are, an employee who has a drab, negative, unexciting, and unexcitable personality is not going to be motivated nor inspired no matter how good of a leader you are, you can't inspire the uninspirable, motivate the unmotivatable, teach the unteachable, grow the ungrowable, or bring joy to the miserable and negative. The first step in inspiring employees is to hire inspirable employees. When interviewing, be aware of candidates who appear to be lackadaisical, lazy, languid, livid, or lethargic. An employee who has a drab, negative, unexciting, and unexcitable personality is going to be neither motivated nor inspired. Never try to teach a pig to sing. It, it wastes your time and annoys the pig. A company is known by the people it keeps. Expect excellence and don't tolerate people who don't execute. You are the conduit, catalyst, connection, channel to success for the team. Talent wins games, but teamwork wins championships. Okay, 212 degrees. What's so important about 212 degrees? Well, at 211 degrees, you have hot water. At 212 degrees, water boils, and then it turns to steam. And steam can power a locomotive and a steamship. And the men who harnessed this one extra degree 100 years ago became incredibly wealthy and changed the world. Many of my decisions have revolved around that one degree. You always want to be a little bit smarter, work a little bit harder, research a little bit deeper, innovate a bit more intensely, and inspire a bit more broadly. You don't just want your, you want to be bold. You don't just want your fair share of business Yet not just more than your fair share of business, not just most of the business. You want all of the business. Take bold stands. 
And remember, you got to get things done. You got to make sure your people are getting things done. You want to be viewed as a leader, get things done. If you've got 10 projects that are 80% complete, that means you have nothing completed. Now, if you want to be perceived as a leader, you always want to come across as a confident and proud leader of industry, leader of people, the leader, master of your department, a believer in results over rhetoric, a believer in facts and feelings, a believer of effectiveness and emotions. What do you want people to say about you when you're not in the room? Always be, always act, always think, always talk like that guy. If you want to be thought of as a leader, act like a leader. You want to be th thought of as smart, be smart. You want to be thought of as a team player, then act like a team player. Think about what do you want people to say when you're not in the room and always be that guy. The um, I'll just tell you a little bit about, about myself real quickly. I moved to eight different cities in seven different states throughout my career. Every time I had a new company to run, I hired as a CEO, uh, there was a move I had to make. In 2013, I was recruited from Dallas uh, to, run, to, uh, to run as CEO of a manufacturing and big consumer products business here in Arizona. Um, we sold thousands of products to customers in 63 different countries. In my first two months on the job, I received calls from eight people who had previously either worked directly for me or another level down asking to work with me again. Now, just so you know, I told them you know, I'm not going to take you know, employees from, my, you know, from a previous company. But if you ask them why they wanted to work for me again, they would not have said I was the easiest boss they ever had. But they would have said that and why they were so loyal to me and the team is they'd say I was always fair. I was never capricious. I assured that everyone always agreed on what success looked like for each project. I didn't micromanage. I provided the resources they needed to flourish, which is an area that a lot of managers don't do. You got to give your people the resources they need so they have the greatest chance of success. I helped get the boulders out of the way. I figuratively and literally have an open door policy. I celebrated successes with them. And most important, they did the best work in their career. So the key is, is really think about how as a team, you can grow together. Every time I had a new company to run, I reprioritized, I restructured, I redeployed, and the companies quickly turned around and grew. Fake it till you make it. I can personally attest that it works. Another company that I had, uh, I was hired to run, um, they had some real problems. And so right away, I knew that I needed to put in some serious perspiration, inspiration, and innovation. On my, on my first day with the company, I got all the employees together. And I said to them, there will be no changes for change's sake. If it's we're doing something world-class, let's not screw it up. However, where we are not world-class, we need to get there and get there fast. I need you to take ownership of the quality of your work. Do it the right way. Do it the smart way, the world-class way. And I said to them, that may not be how you were initially trained. It may not how it's, it's always been done, but there are no longer any excuses. As of today, I will now assume that how you do what you do is considered world-class. 
And at that point forward, the transformation had begun. Now, let me talk about a couple of points here. What so many new bosses do is they come in and they immediately change things just because they can. It's insincere and it's unnecessary and it's ineffective. It's just a power play that never works well for them. So like I said, if we're doing it great, let's not screw it up, including don't let me screw it up. The other part of that is you notice I said to everyone, from now on, you do things that you think are the best way to do it. Now, they can talk to me about it. They can talk to their immediate supervisor about it, you know, to, to discuss it, but they can no longer use the excuse, well, that's how I was trained. That's how it's always been done. That's no longer acceptable. I want everybody thinking about the best way to do what they're doing. Okay, so when you change, this is, you're going to like this. When you change a behavior, you change an attitude. When you change your attitude, you change your perspective. When you change your perspective, you're going to change your destiny. That's key. Like I said, if you need to, you fake it till you make it. Change your behavior that changes an attitude, that changes a perspective, that will actually change your destiny. Now, we know that people want to do business with people that they like. It's also true people want to do business with people that they respect, that they trust, people they have confidence in, people that they feel secure will get the job done. In other words, people gravitate towards and want to do business with a leader, a master of her domain, a professional who instills, radiates, and projects confidence, capability, and competence. Now, you want to be confident, but not arrogant, okay? People like being with people that are confident. In fact, people don't want to be with people that aren't confident. Nobody likes to be with someone that's arrogant. If in doubt, always be decisive, be bold, be confident. Let's talk about training. Virtually everyone, virtually everybody wants to do a good job. If they're not, if you have people that are not doing a good job, it's almost always one of two things. They have not been trained or they have not been trained correctly. Training is very important to employees. In fact, studies have shown that one of the most effective strategies to reduce the chances of an employee leaving is to invest in training them. It's considered by employees one of the most appreciated benefits. It reminds me of a conversation I once had with, with one of my CFOs. He said, well, what if we spend all that money to train them and then they leave the company? And I responded, number one, what if we train, what if we train them and they stay? Or what if they remain untrained and they don't leave? Your teams will build upon themselves and do better work than you or they thought was possible. It's imperative to focus on your employees' strengths much more than their weaknesses. There's an abundance of data that clearly illustrate that it's a substantially more productive use of the employees and the employer's time to focus on the employee's strengths than it is to try to shore up weaknesses. As long as a weakness doesn't fall below an acceptable level, let it be and just keep working on making their strength an even greater strength. A passionate and motivated employee can and will be inspired by a strong and effective leader. Once we hire the best people, we have an obligation to do what we can to set them up to be as successful as possible, to tee them up to flourish, to be leaders in their own right. Talent wins games, 
Teamwork wins championships. As we said, we hang together or we'll be hung separately, as we said. An inspired team is one where everyone on the team is proud to be a part of the team. Everyone doesn't have to necessarily be best friends, but they should be proud to be working with their teammates. There's an expression about under-promise and over-deliver. Please don't do that. It's a well-worn expression, but here's the way it really works. In so many industries, if we just do what we say we're going to do, when we say we're going to do it, in the quality that we promised, at the price that we agreed to, we've already exceeded most, most customers' expectations. In many businesses, just being better than disappointing exceeds most customers' expectations. Remember, our clients are investing in us is much or more than they're investing in our services. At all times, be confident, optimistic, fearless, bold, proactive, tough, special, and memorable. Go big, go bold, go for it. If your actions inspire your employees to strive more, learn more, do more, become more, and if your actions inspire your clients to buy more, you're a leader. We're paid for results, not activities. It's not about the effort. It's about the execution. Get it done. The more we can create and maintain a sense of teamwork, camaraderie, and a mutual winning attitude and atmosphere, the more success we'll have in inspiring our team. And when they follow you, that's leadership. Great and passionate leadership has a potential to excite and inspire people to achieve extraordinary things, which makes leadership among the highest of callings, attracting, hiring, inspiring, and retaining the best workers is a challenge to even the most established and iconic companies, and certainly it's also for startups and newer enterprises. Let's talk about each one of those four items. Attract. If you want to get on the radar of the best potential employees, then you better become an employer of choice. Network throughout the community and let people know your philosophy of leadership and your vision for the business. Be known as a value-based firm. Be known as a great corporate citizen. Be known as a result-focused organization. Be known as an awesome place to work. Be known as a company where the employees are raving fans. Employees do want to understand the values of your company, so be sure the values of the company and the values of your employees are compatible. Okay, you've attracted great potential employees and you need to hire them. I was thinking when I was preparing for this show, I realized I had never offered anyone a job who has ever turned me down. And the reason for that upon reflection is that I never offered anyone a position unless it was going to be great for both them and for the company. Think about it. Who here thinks that they're overpaid? Nobody. If you used to get paid 200000 a year, then you'll always think you're worth at least 200000 a year. So does the position and compensation make sense for them in their current career arc? If I don't think it makes sense for their career, then I'm not going to offer them the position. It's the ethical and smart way of doing business. Compensation isn't everything, but it's always relevant. You got to pay what as much as you can for the best people. If you pay peanuts, you know you're just going to get monkeys. Okay, then you had, now you need to, now you've hired them. Now you need to inspire them. Cre- create a culture with a higher purpose, and your employees will be inspired to work smarter and harder to make a greater impact. Know as much as you can about your people's jobs. 
the details of what they do, how they do it, how they spend their day. I always, I, and knowledge is really key. One thing I've always done, I've always told my companies, I've always told my departments, if you buy a book on leadership, on management, on success, I will pay for the book. Greatest investment I ever make. My best employees took advantage of it. The number one reason most people leave a company is because they believe their immediate boss doesn't understand and accordingly doesn't appreciate nor respect what they do. You might be an awesome leader. You have to make sure the people below you are also awesome leaders and are inspiring their people. Catch your employees doing some doing something right. When you compliment or reward your people, be as specific and detailed as possible. This helps them to appreciate that you're sincere. I used to have a whole stack of $25 Amex cards. And when I saw someone doing something really well beyond their usual job, I'd give it to them, either one or two, and just say it's a small token of, of our appreciation. It's not about manipulation, pressure, nor fear. Those are short-term plays. This is about persuasion, passion, and purpose over the long term. And everyone on the team should and will be proud to be part of the team. People will follow a leader, a winner, someone they trust, and they trust has a great plan. The greater sense of teamwork, camaraderie, pride, and a winning attitude and atmosphere, the more success you'll have in inspiring your team. A passionate and motivated employee can and will be motivated by a strong and effective leader. Let's talk about what versus how. Give your team more of the what and not so much of the how that you can. The what is what needs to be done, the purpose and desired outcome of a project. The how pertains to details and minutia of how to accomplish it. The ideal balance is for you to provide just enough assistance for them to succeed, but not any more than necessary. Professionals rarely react well to micromanagement. It's much more empowering, motivating, inspiring, and rewarding for an employee to accomplish what is needed to be done their way than simply following detailed instructions from his boss without being given the opportunity to show initiative, creativity, and innovation. Accordingly, if you want to have an inspired and successful workforce, only hire and keep passionate A-level team players. Spend most of your time with your best people. Incent them appropriately. Be sure your entire team consists of employees who are indeed inspirable. Be sure you know, be sure, be sure they know that you sincerely care about them. Let's talk about cockiness, okay? Data and reasoning are rarely enough. They're needed, but they're not enough. There's ample research that shows that most people actually gravitate towards someone that's cocky, not arrogant, but cocky, confident, and even more so than expertise. Why? Because people naturally assume confidence equates to skill. Even the most skeptical person will be partly persuaded by another person's confidence. Be bold and be confident. And please don't say, I think. Stop adding qualifiers. If you believe something will work, just say it will work. And be sure to have the data that backs you up and then stand by your opinions and let your enthusiasm show. The people you hope to convince will be easier to persuade and show them your passion and your compassion. Remember, confidence is courage plus competency. You also want to be tough when it comes to negotiating. I'll tell you a quick story. I actually was trying to do a deal in Russia. 
So I actually flew into Domodedovo Airport, which is about 42 kilometers southeast of central Moscow. I was told I would be picked up by my one contact there. I get to the airport, and I'm just flying on my own, just traveling on my own, and all of a sudden this big black limo comes and picks me up. And I think, wow, not that high maintenance. I don't really need that big of a car, but I, I get into the back, and I look in, and not only is my contact there, but he also has five other people there. I find out there his accountants and the lawyers are there. And I look at him, and I don't say a word. I just get in the back seat. I look them all over. Now, why would they have six people pick me up? They're trying to intimidate me. So I look them all, and I say to them, okay, so there's six of you and one of me. Okay, you guys get three more people, and it'll be a fair fight. You can kind of see the air kind of went out of them. And 12 hours later, I'm flying back to the United States and I actually got the job done and I got the negotiation just like I needed. Never show weakness. Never let down your guard. You have to go big, go bold, and go for it all. So another key thing is if you think about, you know, how your people care about you. Why do you think Marine officers always eat last? It's a way of showing them that they care about what their people do and it illustrates an action and word that they care about their people. It builds trust, loyalty, and respect. Logic versus emotion. As illogical as it might sound to some people, most people are not moved by logic. They're moved by emotion. Facts tell and stories sell. <clears throat> the uh, So once again, I want to repeat this. If you change your behavior, you'll change your attitude, you change your attitude, you change your perspective, you change your perspective, you change your destiny. And the road you travel to meet your destiny is paved with your leadership skills. Even if in doubt, fake it till you make it, never let them see you sweat, never lose your cool, play the part, always play the part. We're paid for results, not activities. Always remember what you have to do to look like a winner and get your people to look like a winner. It's not about the effort. It's about the exec execution. Get it done. And when you get people to follow you and you inspire them, that's real, true leadership. So we know that people want to do business with people they like. They also want to do people that they respect and they have confidence in. People they're secure will get the job done. In other words, people gravitate towards and want to do business with a leader, a master of their domain a professional who instills, radiates, projects confidence, capability, and competency. So, give people a compelling reason to follow you. When you do, they will. When they do, you're a leader. I'm on your side. I'm on your team. I'm in your corner. If you have any questions or I can do anything for you, call or text me at 631 943-5275. And I promise to get back to you within 12 hours. It's great to have Mitch in your corner. Join him again anytime on the Tucson Business Radio X channel.